Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. I want you to notice with me in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 25 and 26. You see at the top of your sheet, or you can read it from your Bible. Read it from the New King James Version Bible. reads as follows. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Notice he wanted to change our attention. He wants to look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than they? I want to talk to you from this topic based on what I just read to you. Do not worry. You are valuable to him. Say it with me. Do not worry. You are valuable to him. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your word this morning. We pray that the word of God will have free course. Thank you for these precious saints and believers in this sanctuary that are ready to receive your word. Thank you, Father. We are con- Thank you for the hunger and the thirst for the word of God and the ways of God. And we continue to bind the enemy right now and cast them out. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your precious power. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, and your love. Thank you for feeding us, Father, your words. So in turn, we may think and talk and act more like you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. Bishop Walker gets started off this particular teaching and flowing in line with that. Of course, I thank God for our man of God. He dealt with, and his topic was do not worry. And I know I'm very similar to that, but I just added a little bit to it. And I thank God for him. We acknowledge him for this particular message. One of the things that I want to deal with, first of all, that Matthew is the author of this particular book. Matthew is one of the 12 apostles that walked with Jesus when he was on the earth. Before Matthew became a, an apostle, he was a tax collector. A tax collector was not a envious job. It was one that was really corrupt in that particular day. But he was saved, and now Matthew came on the Lord's side. He became one of the 12 apostles. He followed Jesus. And it changed his life for the better. And just like Jesus can change your life or my life or anybody else's life, he's always changing our life for the better. How many agree that God has changed your life for the better? He records a time when Jesus is teaching the multitude. In fact, there's several lessons in this particular text that, in fact, there's two or three chapters of, of teachings that he has. But when he's teaching, I want you to understand something about Jesus. When he's teaching, he is imparting biblical truths. He's imparting biblical truths. He's not just giving you his opinion about things. He is giving you biblical truths. He was teaching such things as forgiveness. He was teaching about the Lord's Prayer. He was teaching about treasures in heaven. These were just some of the examples of biblical truths that Jesus was teaching in this particular text. And so 
he's coming down and he's uh, uh, to the particular verse we're going to get to in just a few minutes. But I want you to understand something about biblical truths. Biblical truths will help us to remain in the presence of the Lord. Biblical truths will help us to remain in the presence of the Lord. Now, remember, we just did a whole teaching on remaining in the presence of the Lord, how the presence of the Lord will bring about prosperity, bring about healing, bring about deliverance. God will keep you when you're in his presence. In fact, one of the main lessons we should have got out of being in the presence of the Lord, that the presence of the Lord brings about prosperity. I mean, we we went over example after example, biblical example of people that were in the presence of the Lord. It may not always been pretty, but in the end, they prospered. We talked about Gideon. We talked about how Joseph was in the presence of the Lord. Those are biblical truths that would change our life for the better. So when we abide in God's word, we are recognized as God's disciple. A disciple is someone who is following truths or following the teaching of a certain person. So when we abide, when we continue, when we remain and we choose not to depart in God's word, we are recognized as his disciple. Go with me to the book of John chapter 8 verse 31 and verse 32. The book of John chapter 8 verse 31 and verse 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide, if you remain, if you continue, if you will not depart from my word, you are my disciples indeed. You are my students. You are my learners. And you shall know the truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. See, when John talks about the truth, he's talking about truth uh, that we come to understand. Truth is but it's true under any circumstance and nothing can change it. Nothing can change truth. That's why it's important to know that God knows everything and nothing can change the truth that God knows. And when he knows everything, that means man only knows part of what he can tell you. He got man does not know everything. God knows everything and man does not know Everything. We need to understand that because when you come to understand that man can tell you something is permanent, but you know, man don't know everything. He'll tell you that it's only going to last for so long, but man only knows so much. God knows everything and he has the, uh, the last say so. So therefore, when we look at truth, we understand that truth is going to make us free. It's going to free us and it's going to set us at deliberate, excuse me, Make us free from the dominion of sin. It's going to liberate us. It's going to change our life for the better. So the more I know about God, the more I have truth in my life. And that truth is going to make me free. Free to do what God wants me to do. See, I'm not free to do what I want to do. I'm free to do what God wants me to do. Because what I want to do may not be right. You know, we we have a holiday where we celebrate the 4th of July and we call it Independence Day or free. But really, freedom ain't free to do what you want to do. Freedom is to, to obey the laws of God. Law of God. So we want to make sure that we are following the laws of God. So that's why we go back in Matthew 6 and 25. He said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, 
what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So notice something about these three things that he talks about here. He, or maybe more than three, but he's not, he knows you're going to need some drink. He knows you're going to need something about your body, what you're going to put on, and what you're going to eat. Those are necessities of life. You need something to drink. You need something to eat. You need clothes to put on. Ever since uh, Adam and Eve had their encounter in the Garden of Eden, we need clothes to put on. And those are needs. So Jesus speaking to a multitude, he's speaking to each man's individual needs. What is necessary? What is essential? What's required? What's to be desired for our lives? So we have needs that he's speaking to. That's why I believe he used those particular examples. I don't believe it was an accident he used such things as what you eat, what you will drink, and what you will put on. Because he understood that those are things we need every day. Every day you need something to drink. Every day you need something to eat. Every day you need clothes to put on. Now if you choose not to drink something that day, that's your opinion. But sooner or later you're going to need something to drink. If you choose not to eat something because you're fasting, well, still sooner or later, when you come off the fast, you're going to need some food. And no matter what situation you're in, you're always going to need some clothes as long as, unless you're by yourself with all, everything closed off. All right? You're going to need those three things. That, those are necessities. Those are essentials in life. Those are things that are required for us to operate in this journey. Whether you're saved or not saved, we're going to need these things. That's why Jesus is speaking to us collectively, but he is imparting a biblical truth to let you know he's going to meet each one of our individual needs, whether mentally, physically, emotionally, or intellectually. He's going to meet those needs. That's why I think he brought it up. He said, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Don't worry about these things. Why is that, Jesus? Because I believe he says, I'm going to supply that need. I believe God is going to supply that need. I know, in fact, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that God will supply the need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, this is what you got to understand. You got to believe that he's going to supply the need. Now, just because God tell you he's going to supply the need don't necessarily mean that people believe that he's going to supply the need. God can tell you all day long, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. He got all truths. He's an unlimited God with unlimited resources. But you got to believe that God wants to do it, not just collectively, but for you. Yeah, He going to supply my need. I, yeah, I know he's supplying my neighbor's need. He's supplying everybody else's need. But will God supply my need? That's why I think he changed that. Even though he's talking to a multitude, he changes the narrative and he makes an interesting statement. He says this in Matthew, in the first part of Matthew 6 and 25. I say unto you. I say unto you. Now interesting, he's, he's teaching a multitude and then he makes a statement. He says, I say unto you. I don't want you to get confused with the multitude. I want you to take this personally. I want you to take this to the point that, yeah, I'm talking to a multitude, but I'm bringing this home to your front door. I've got, this is your word from me. This is my promise from you. I am talking to you. When I'm talking to you, I'm speaking to the total man, body, soul, and spirit. Because you, you think about this, what you eat, 
what you drink, what you put on, affects your body, your soul, and your spirit in some way or another. He knew that the truth he was about to tell them would change the way they would think, the way they would talk, and the way they would act. We understand that the word will have a godly effect on how we process information, interact with others, and make God-ordained decisions daily. That's why it's so imperative that we receive and, and uh, excuse me, desire the word of God. If we could commit to consistently to gain knowledge and understanding, according to Jeremiah 3.15, which basically says, I will give you pastors after my own heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That will help the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we act. So Jesus makes his definite de- declaration in Matthew 6 and 25. Therefore, I say unto you, do not worry. Do not worry. You know what I thought about this? When you look at this, he didn't even tell you why you should not worry. He just says, do not worry. He doesn't even tell you the effects if you do worry. Because sometimes when God teaches you something, he'll say, wait, if you do this, this may happen right here. Like he says, you give and shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake together, and so forth. He also tells you this, the wages of sin is what? Death. There's a consequence behind it. But he makes this statement here. He says, do not worry. And he doesn't even tell you why you shouldn't worry. Sometimes we have to learn how to take God at his word. And not just question why we shouldn't do this, that, and the other. We Sometimes God will give you a revelation, and, but he doesn't always tell you why you should not do the things he told you not to do. And sometimes he'll tell you something, but he doesn't always give an explanation as to why you shouldn't do or should do a certain thing. But you know what I learned of something about God? He doesn't have to. Because he's God. Let me tell you something. That's the problem that Job had when he began to question God about why he did certain things. And then, and then God brought him to, brought him, had a coming to Jesus meeting. He says, hey Job, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when I caused the lightning to go only so far and then come back again? Where were you when I caused the thunder to only roll so much? Where were you, Job? And Job, and you know what he, and Job, what could Job do? I don't know. <laughs> Cause there's only so much you can know about God that God wants you to know. He says, do not worry. He's got this multitude, but then he breaks it down. He says, I say unto you, I say unto you, I say unto you in the black, I say unto you in the blue, I say unto you in the white, I say unto you in the red, I say unto you in the brown, I say unto you, do not worry. That's a powerful statement. That is a powerful statement. Because worry is interesting. Worry means to be anxious. It means to be troubled. It means to get caught up. And what what am I favorite definitions that I got out of it is allow life to be strangled out of you. Worry can strangle the life out of you. Listen, God came to give us life, but worry will take the life away from you. All the things that God gave you to enjoy, you can't do it because you're worried. Because why? God knows what we need. And again, he doesn't go into explanation. In fact, when you look up the, uh, wait, no, notice when Jesus normally teaches, 
He says, if you do this, you're going to get this. But he says, do not worry. And then even going to, listen, what's going to happen if you do worry? I'm saying, God, you know what? At least tell me why I shouldn't worry. But then again, folks that have worried in the past, you know exactly why he tell you don't worry. You understand, some things God ain't got to explain to you why he tell you to do certain things, but you violate it and see what happens. Oh, that's why you told me not to worry, God. Because this may happen right here. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be troubled. I'm going to get caught up. I'm going to lie, lie to be strangled out of you. Do you know that you could have something nice but can't enjoy it because of worry? You can be blessed with something that look good, smell good, taste good. How many, listen, you, you ain't got to say that right here. I have messed up a good meal because of worry. I'm talking about a good steak because of worry. A good meal, a good dessert because of worry. Can they enjoy my apple pie because of worry? Can they enjoy vacation that good because of worry? Couldn't even enjoy the things that God had blessed me with because of worry. And, and I'm going I'm to share something with you. I'm going to get to it a little bit later. I think that's why God told us a little bit later, look in a different direction. Because he was telling those folks, you looking at what's not working. When I, you should be looking at what is working. And that's a lot of times what worry is about. We're so focused in on one direction, we miss what God is doing all around us. Because he says a little bit later, hey, hey, you, the one I just told not to worry, look at the birds. Look. Oh, you too busy looking at stuff around you. But notice where the birds normally hang out at. They don't normally hang around on the ground. You got to look up to see the birds. Oh, <laughs> but no, let me go back to my text. I see, I see worry as a range of emotion that will cross tons of energy and will overtake us if we allow it. Nevertheless, Jesus knew the impact of worry and how detrimental it could be to us. That's why he tells us, don't worry. Don't worry. In my opinion, People will be challenged with opportunities and situations that cause them to be anxious, trouble, lose sleep, and such like. Let me tell you something. Just because I'm preaching about don't do not worry, don't mean worry will stop trying to attack you. Worry will try to come against you whether you're saved or not saved. Jesus is helping us and telling us, son, don't worry. Daughter, don't worry. Don't worry, because even, and it takes, you got to retrain your mind not to worry. You got to retrain your mind not to worry. If you're a person that worries all the time, you got to say, hey, I got to stop worrying. I ain't got a, I, listen, I ain't got a bunch going on, but I can't, I can't worry about it. Cause why? He told me not to worry. He didn't tell me why not to worry. He just said, don't worry. In fact, he made it real personal. He said, hey, you, and I say unto you, hey, I ain't talking to your neighbor. I'm talking to you. Don't worry. Oh, you got to, listen, let me tell you something. In 2019, you have the opportunity to worry. In Jesus' day, they had an opportunity to worry. But Jesus told them, don't worry. And so, because I'm telling you don't worry today, 
don't mean that worry ain't going to try to attack you. Oh, I know. okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't say after service. But the Lord, the Lord kind of reminded me, worry will attack you while the word is coming forth. Mm-hmm. Worry will try to attack you as soon as you start to give something. Worry will try to attack you as soon as you come into the house of God. Worry, let me tell you, if you ain't careful, worry will ride your back all the way into the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Worry will, will, will get the best of us. And, I, look, and, and Pastor, uh, let me be real with y'all. I don't care how long you've been in church. Worry is real. Worry is real. Being anxious. But listen, listen you, you'll mess up a good praise service dealing with worry. The service is high. The praises is going forth. But you busy worrying. And you can't get a good clap in because you're worrying. Are you clapping? But you're clapping. You just there clapping because you heard me say clap, or you heard one of the praise or the praise leaders say clap. But you're really your mind is worried about this, that, and the other. Oh yeah. Oh, you could be listen. You could be you could you could be writing your tithes and offering check out for the amount that they ask for, and still be worried about that check go clear. Or worried about well, if I give the money here, how am I gonna pay? Because of worry. And let me say this to you. I'm, I'm not just preaching to you all. I'm preaching to myself as well. Because worry is real. Because when he said, do not worry, I like the fact he said it to the multitude, but then he broke it down to everybody that was listening to him. And so this morning, everybody is listening to me. Glory to God. We got to deal with this thing called worry. And I say I'm going to let it overtake us. I just said we got to deal with it. Don't deal with it. I'm going to tell you something. We're going to get the victory over this thing. I ain't no pastor. God, you know when I was preparing for this, one of the things that he said to me was this. Do you think I would have gave your bishop a word like this if it wasn't necessary? That that felt the case for me. Because, you know, I, I, I pray and ask God, what do I need to feed the sheep? I just don't give y'all anything. I, y'all should know that by now. I said, well, God, and so I, I, I've, heard, I've listened to CD several times and, and I said, well, God, you know, what do you want for our congregation and so forth and so on? And, and, and uh, I remember him saying real, real clear, do you think I would have gave your bishop a word like that if it wasn't necessary? And that kind of settled the case with me right now. Y'all follow me? So as the Lord lead, that's how we're going to deal with it for a few, few sessions. So now the thing is though, I do know this people going to deal with word. But God's given us the power to have the victory over worry. Amen? All right, now, 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 got that in mind. Let's go a little bit further. In my experience with life and being a father, husband, pastor, and so forth, I've learned that sometimes that even Christians can develop a habit of getting worked up to the point that becomes a part of who they are or who we are. In other words, you can have a, a habit which is a pattern of behavior, of worrying, and it becomes such a part of you, it is just a everything. Is, is it what you do? Somebody tell you something, you start worrying. You got people you can go to that will be your worry partner. Y'all don't know about the worry partner. Y'all to keep praying. You got, they got there, I promise you. 
folks come together and they just worry about stuff. They call each other on the phone. Child, did you hear about that? <gasps> Ooh, what's going on, girl? And they go right there. They have a worry party right there. You might not see the balloons and the cake, but they got that worry partner, partner, party going on right there. They worry. They worry. And it's, and they become such a part of them, they just do it without even thinking about it. I mean, they've been doing it for years and become a part of the way they think, the way they talk, and the way they act. And now it's the Holy Spirit is digging in and digging that word out of their life. And like, whoo, how am I going to let this go? How am I going to think and talk and act if, if I can't worry no more? And God is saying, we got to let worry go. Somebody says with me, I got to let worry go. That's it. That's it. It's going to take some. Because your natural circumstances are not lying to you. They're not lying to you. But you can't let natural circumstances dictate to you how you're going to respond to everyday life. You can't, because I never, you know, I used to have that thing going on, but now I've learned a little bit more in my experience as a pastor and as a brother in the Lord and and so forth and so on, husband and father and so forth, that what you see is real. What you see is real. You know one thing about when that, how many have ever done an inquiry at the ATM before? That ATM ain't lying to you, is it? <laughs> you, you by faith. I got, I got $10 million in there. Click, click, click. Balance. 22 cents. They ain't 22 cents. They lying to you. <laughs> it ain't lying to you. That is a real number. But you got to know there's a real God with that real number. He's still going to supply the need. He said, don't worry about that stuff. You're still going to supply the need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I mean, you got to know that. Because let me tell you something. When you're challenging your body, you being challenging your body is real. When you hurt, that is real. When you're desperate, when your mind is going through, that is real. That's why you got to know the real God for a real problem. You got to know that's real. And you can't worry. When the enemy tries to say, you know what? It ain't going to. Listen, you ain't going to. But you got to know, hey, I ain't got to, as long as he do. Thank God for his word. Is that right? Some believers live in a world consumed with panic, frustration, and uncertainty. They do it constantly. They panic, they get frustrated, and they uncertain. One thing I just tell my children when they were driving, hey, you can't panic when you're under the wheel. Now, I can panic on the other side all day long. I can ah, scream, holler, throw my feet up in the air, and everything. But when you're driving, you can't let the people on the other side affect the way you drive. Because I used to ride with some crazy folks back in the day. I'll be real with you. And, and we were crazy for a reason, too. <laughs> but I couldn't let that craziness in the, in the back seat and the passenger seat affect the way I drive. Folks will tell you to go 200 miles an hour, but they ain't driving. Folks will tell you to do stuff, but they're not in, they're not driving. You got to be in a situation where you got to say, God, you know what? I can't let other people affect my destiny based on their foolishness. You follow me here? Because that can mess you up listening to individuals 
who will try to take you on a pathway to nowhere instead of you following what God told you to do. You follow me? They live in panic, frustration, and uncertainties. Simply put, we find ourselves walking by sight and not by faith, which is the opposite of 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. Remember, we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Walking means our progressive in life, how we conduct ourselves and so forth. We got to do it by faith and not by sight. When we choose to not operate by faith, and that faith is this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. So let's look at it real quickly. Faith is having full confidence in God's written and revealed word of God. And you got to have confidence in it. And this is what you need to know about confidence in God. It takes a lifetime to get there. You don't get there overnight. Well, you might get there overnight. The rest of us, it could take a minute to get there. It takes a minute to get there. That's why God gives us a word like this, do not worry, because he knows that some of us, including yours truly, have to be challenged with word sometimes. It takes something. To, let me say this to you. It takes something to stay in faith. It takes something to stay in faith. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about when you work it, it takes something to stay in faith. When you're at your school, it takes something to stay in faith. It takes something to stay in faith while you still are taking medicine on a day-by-day basis. It takes something to stay in faith when you work on a job and you ask for a raise and they look at you funny. It takes something to stay in faith. It takes something to stay in faith when you give and you say, God, when am I going to get my harvest, my supernatural harvest? You pay off a bill and somebody send you two more bills. Oh, if two people got that, but y'all keep praying for the rest of us, okay? But I'm talking about it takes something to stay in faith. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by what? So we, our life is conducted by our trust, our confidence in the written and the revealed word of God. That's how we walk. That's how we live. And that will, that will, that will eliminate worry from our life. But when we open the door for worry, frustration, desire, faith will give us the power over fear. And fear is something that's real. You got to deal with fear. Got to deal with fear. Deal with fear. That's why 2 Timothy 1 and 7 is so powerful. Let's go over there. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. I like the fact he told us, do not worry. <laughs> In fact, he don't go, you know how he, how he does it? He does it so smoothly. He said, if you worry, not, he, he didn't say, if you worry, this going to happen to you and this going to happen to you. He said, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Second Timothy 1 and 7. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but notice what God gives us. He gives us power. He gives us love. And he gives us a sound mind. So I need to know this. God he did not give me word. If I'm dealing with word, God didn't give it to me. God did not give me word. And I need to understand, he didn't, he'll give me word, he did not give me fear. So God's not the source of fear. God is not the source of torment, he's not the source of dread, he's not the source of terror. He's not. 
But uh, but you know what God gives us? He gives us power. He gives us love. He gives us sound mind, which means that God is not the source of our worry, our anxiety, or our frustration. He's not the source of it. He's not. If he's not the source of it, we don't have to keep it. We don't need to keep it. Anything that God's not the source of, we don't need to keep it. That means I need to do what God tells me to do in order to exercise it out of my life. Because I, I realize if I don't, these things going to attach themselves and they're going to try to stay there. Not only that, they're going to try to cause havoc in my life. Not only in my life, but I, and see, people that deal with these things, they also affect those around them. If they ain't careful, you got to be careful. When people are dealing with worry, you cannot let them affect, cause you to worry the same way. Because people, you can go to a hospital room and there's a bunch of worry, spirit of worry over in hospitals. They, it, I mean, they, I mean, people be worried. They be worried. It's amazing. Sometimes they be more worried than the patient is. Thank y'all for amen. They keep praying. You'll get there one day. You'll see what I'm talking about. They'll be more, they're more worried than the patient. The patient, listen, believe in God and the person that's sitting with them is worried about what they're dealing with. We should be operating in faith. And we can't, listen, and one thing about a hospital, you can't go about what you see. Because what you see is real. Let me tell you something. Them wires running from people are real. Those gadgets or devices that are hooked up to people are real. They make noises. They make noises. They make, sometimes they make some serious noises. But you still got to stay in faith regardless of what, what kind of noise you hear. And you can't let anxiety and fear and so forth be an individual operating your life. Can't let it do it. That's why First John 4 and 18 is so powerful. First John 4 and 18. Let's go there quickly. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Has not been made perfect in love. Will you understand that fear brings about torment, which torment is correction, punishment, and penalty, but perfect love casts out fear? If throw, if, <laughs> I like what cast out means. Throw it out in a violent manner. And that means it's going to get it out. It's going to get it out in a violent manner. It's not going to ask if it want to go. It's just going to kick it out. And you don't need the enemy playing in your head. You got to kick him out. You got, cause he's not going. Listen, one thing that let me know, he's not going willfully. He's not going like you say, will you please leave my mind and stop messing with me? He just look at you all funny. You got to cast out for him. You got to kick it out violently. You got to bind it up in the name of Jesus and you got to give it the boot. Get it out. Don't play with it. And if it tries to come back again, you got to put up a, a guard against it. You got to put up a guard. Where's the guard come from? By hearing and applying the word of God in your life. Every time something comes that tries to bring torment, fear, worry, etc., you got to defense of the word of God. Bible calls it the shield of faith. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why I need to hear and see what God is saying in my life. Because if I don't hear it, then I know fear is just sitting around the corner waiting to pounce on top of my head. This is a war going on. 
That's why the Bible says put on the full armor of God. When you get it on, make it strong. Don't mess around with some weak armor. You need some strong armor to fight against the wiles of the devil. That's why the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Notice he said it's a wrestling match. It ain't no little pit hat, pity pack hat, pity, wait, how do you say pity pack? That thing, yeah, that pity pack thing. Ain't no pity pack. Ooh, tay, 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 tay. No, ain't none of that, man. This is a wrestling match. This is a wrestling match. And the enemy wants, you got to kick the enemy out. You got to kick the enemy out. And when he get out, you got to keep him out. Now, in my opinion, Jesus knew that if we did not boldly tell tell us how to deal with worry, then anxiety and stress would have the potential to strangle the life out of us. Many sickness and disease are connected to anxiety and stress, according to the medical community. Now, what I thought was interesting, you don't see Jesus telling us what would happen if you do worry, but you do see the results based on the medical community of what happens when we do. That's why Jesus lets us know in John 10, 10, that he desires for us to enjoy the abundant life. Remember, the enemy, worry was trying to string the life out of you. Jesus came that we might have life. Go to John 10, 10. John 10, 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. So we see why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us life. Now, the enemy is going to try to strangle that life out of you, but God came to give us abundant life. Abundant life means it's going to exceed, it's going to overflow, it's the supernatural life. I mean, God is on our life, but worry can strangle the life that God wants to give you. It can, it can strangle it. I believe that the Lord understands some areas that we may be tempted to worry. That's why you read back over in, let's go back over to Matthew. Excuse me. Yeah, Matthew 6 and 25. Somebody, remember, he came to give us life, but there's some areas that may try to deal with our life. Matthew 6 and 25 reads as follows. Again, we read it. Therefore, I say unto you, do not worry about your life, what you should eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. So think about these things. These are things that God says that we need. I believe he understands, that's why the Lord understands that we're going to be tempted. You may be tempted to worry about the things that you need, such as what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear. And if you're tempted with that, you definitely be tempted by some of the other stuff in life. These are everyday life. Think about it. if a person, and this happens to folks every day, if you can't eat, I'm not talking about you eat what you want. You know, sometimes, yeah, now someone's been guilty of this. We got a refrigerator full of, full of food. Talking about, I ain't got nothing to eat. You know, let's, those two people said amen. The rest of y'all can keep looking at us like you ain't telling the truth in him. You got a refrigerator full of food, pantry full of canned foods, but yet you say you have nothing to eat. Now, you know you're lying when you say stuff like that, right? It, you just choose not to cook what's in that pantry. That's all that is. And what's in that freezer, you choose not to unthaw it and fry it up or cook it or bake it or whatever. And, and that's just a choice you make. I mean, that's fine. That's a choice you make. I got no problem with the choice, but let's not tell God he's not doing his job. 
Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Let's not tell God he's not doing his job because he's supplying the needs. He is giving us what is essential, what is necessary. Listen, sometimes people look at it, you know, I ain't got nothing to wear. Anybody ever, I can't say nobody ever said that lie in him. We just don't have what we don't want to wear at a certain time. That's all that is. We got plenty to wear. God doing his, his part. God is fulfilling his word. He's doing his part. He's doing his part. That's why Philippians 4.19 said, I'm going to supply every need. He's going to supply. And no doubt he's doing his job. He's supplying. He's fulfilling. He is completing everything that is essential and necessary according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's doing that. So, if he's doing that, let's take our eyes on what we're worried about and start looking at what he is doing. If he's supplying the need, let's look at the needs he's supplying so our faith can increase. Let's observe with a mind to consider how he's feeding the birds. In Matthew 6 and 26. Look at the birds of the air. He said, look at them. See, I know you're looking at something else, but now I want you to start looking at the birds. I know them birds are like, man, I'm minding my own business. Man, I'm doing my thing. You know, if the birds don't even worry about what the humans are doing down there, sometimes a bird will even come down next to you talk about, move out the way. Let me get the fish food around. You ain't never seen it? Well, birds these days are a little bit different than birds back then. They hardly scared of none of us. You can ride to Carrollton these days, and when the, when the, bird, when the ducks start crossing the street, it, you, they gonna sit there, you can sit there looking at them. You can blow the horn. They're like they're, they're like, <laughs> they keep on moving. They I just start. I'm gonna take my time crossing the road right here. Now back in the day when there's some birdies, they wouldn't have did all that because they like, <laughs> But the birds, he said, look at the birds. Now, but notice what he said about the birds. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Your heavenly father feeds them. Look how he feeds them. He feeds the birds. And then sometimes I believe we focus more on what the Lord is not doing instead of focusing on what he is doing. God, you ain't doing this and God, you ain't doing that. But look at what God is doing in your life. Look at everything you got in your life. Look at your closet. Boy, that thing, you can give away some of your clothes. You still wouldn't miss none of them. Thank y'all for the five amens in here. Some of y'all, you, you could give away, you give away one third of your clothes and you would still have plenty of clothes left over. You could be an individual that got, you got food in your pantry and you could choose to cook it. You would have to, you would have to buy another meal for a month because you got plenty of food in your pantry. Whether it's canned items or just regular Items in the freezer, you just got to unfold. God has did his part in supplying the need. He did his part. And you got a shelter too. You got a place to live at. God has provided a place. Not only he provided a place, many of us in the sanctuary got air conditioning at our place. Thank y'all for the four amens right there. You don't believe in air conditioning, let it get 95. Had to go back to what we had to use to the fan in the window. We appreciate the air conditioning. We ain't taking that for granted. Sometimes, but some of us ain't got to go far. We can get in our car. 
and, and to hit that button, it says 65. Boom, there it goes, 65. Blowing on you. Some of don't know about that 65 mile hour window fan. Yeah. Get going 65, let it down so far. But God is doing his part. He's doing his part. And, and, and he says, look at what God is doing. Look at what God is doing. And if you can look at what God is doing, you say, God, he like me. I'm valuable to God. Because if God would take care of a bird, if God can take care of a bird, how much more valuable are you? The ones he died for back at the cross at Calvary. The one he made, he, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. The one who came out of Adam's womb and Abraham's descendants. How much more valuable are you to God? If God says, look at the birds of the air for they need a soul to reap and to gather the barn, get your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? God considers you more valuable than the birds. That's why we can observe the Lord working and eager to share with others. It's indication that we're allowing the word to renew our mind. According to Romans 12, 1 through 2. God is renewing our mind with the word of God. And this is what you got to renew your mind to saying. See, people that don't worry have to renew their mind. They got to change the way they think, the way they talk, and the way they act. They got to change their you got to renovate their mind, restructure it. Because if you're a person that used to worry all the time, you got to re- re- you got to redo that now. You got to redo that. Because God said, don't worry. I'm not going to tell you what the consequence is going to be. Just take my word for it. Do not worry. Do not worry. He said, I'm not going to explain everything why you shouldn't worry. Because I, f- I found out this by thinking about this and meditating upon this, worry affects people in different ways. But one thing about it, it does affect folks. It affects folks. So God said, don't worry. And, and if, I, if I'm not going to worry, and the enemy comes at me and tries to bring me word, I say, hold on, this did not come from God. This must have come from the enemy. I've got to make up my mind. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. Well, Pastor, that, I, I, I heard what you said, but I don't know if that's if I can do that. Oh, God wouldn't tell us to do it if we couldn't do it. That's why he says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We got to make up our mind. We're going to do what God says. Now, are you, for people who have been dealing with worry for a while, you going to get it off of one sermon? No, you want to constantly just get in this word. Come back Wednesday when I believe when I go part two in this a little further. And let God just continue to work that stuff out of you. Just let him work it out of you. You let him work it out of you. And let God say, you know what? I'm going to be just like you told me, God. I'm not going to worry. Because worry, worry is not good for me mentally or physically. Well, like we talked about earlier, he said unto you, you, body, soul, and what? Spirit. Every part of us. Because worry can affect your body. It can affect your body. Am I your physical body? We know it can affect your mind. And if it affects all that, it's gonna it's gonna have an adverse effect on your spirit, man, as well. So we know that he went, he didn't give us all the things it would do, 
But just based on medical science, based on our study, based on what we've seen, we know that worry is real. But I love what he said. Look at the birds. Ain't that good, though? He said, look at the birds. Don't I take care of them? I love the fact that whatever you were looking at before, you're no longer looking at that, are you? You're looking at what? The birds. (laughs) Somebody, we get outside to look up at the birds. He take care of all these birds out here. There are a bunch of birds out there, too, y'all. Let it be real. I ain't talking about the ones that are in the... uh, uh, in the in the zoo, I'm talking about birds flying around everywhere. Everywhere there are birds everywhere. You don't believe me? Look in your car a little bit later. <laughs> I ain't got no. Yeah, okay. Well, look at your car a little bit later. You will believe. You'll believe that the bird that God take care of last one of. He take care of every last one of. And if God can take care of the birds, He says, "I value you more than the birds." I value you more than those birds. Let me give you the definition of value and I'm going to close it. Value means you're more important and he esteems you high, higher than the birds. He, you're more important and he esteems you higher than the birds. Do not worry for you are valuable to him. Do not worry you are valuable to him. I'm done. Stand easy. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.